Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, and the Gurkha Cigar Studio in beautiful British Columbia, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Mitchell Santaga. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I'm joined once again by my very good friend, Mr. Mitchell Santaga, in beautiful British Columbia, in the Gurkha Cigar Studios, also of SmokinTobacco.com. Um... Mitchell, how are you? I see you uh you pulled out some stops tonight. Look at you. And you're muted, buddy. They can't hear you. Uh oh. You see the look of panic on your face. I might have to bring the guest in because apparently we can't hear you. I don't know what's going on. Well, alright. Let's see if Michael's ready. I don't know what's going on there. Hey Mike. What's up? I don't know what happened to Mitchell, but we lost his sound, so I'm like, I might as well just bring him right in. <laughs> you had you had me muted. Let's see if he's back. I had you muted. Hey, there we go. There we go. There we go. I, I there pressed we go. unmute like three or four times, and it wouldn't unmute me. It kept saying muted on my screen, even though on mine it said unmute. That's so weird. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you unmuted me, I think it unmuted him. Uh, yeah. But you know what? Was, we're in. No one's now muted. we're here. Now it's a show. <laughs> now it's a uh, show. Yeah, without, beautiful British Columbia. Yeah, without further ado, I've kind of botched the intro now because of that. But anyway, we, we got Michael Herklotz with us tonight, if you haven't figured that out. If you don't know who he is, um, Google him, and you'll find out. But um, no, he's, uh, um, he is the uh, the owner, part owner, of Ferio Tego Cigars. You may have heard of them. Um, Ferio Tego, it's a story. It's a lifetime. It means I strike, I defend. It's the Herklotz family crest and motto. Um, it's all Ferio Tego tonight, and we're smoking the new Ferio Tego Suma. Um, but Michael, welcome back to the show. Um, Mitchell, I see that you, for the occasion, have put yourself together quite nicely. Uh, I should say. Ah, uh, you know, just a little, a little button up and and quick little blazer, you know. You I had, had the full intentions of joining you in a button up and blazer, and they got the best of me, and here I am in a blue T-shirt and a. Denim shirt. Sorry. Still looking great. I mean, I'm wearing the same shirt I always wear. This is my show shirt. This is my, my, my diamond crown, Wybera. Yeah, yeah, you're on brand, bro. That uh, I always wear. Um, except for, and Mitchell, you weren't on Spare Notes last weekend. But last weekend, uh, Kevin, Coop, and myself decided it was Hawaiian night. And we all rocked the Hawaiian shirts. And it was glorious. And um, I got to say, I, you know... I was really digging that vibe, um, Mike. I know you're no stranger to um, Hawaiian shirts. You rocked you rocked one at the uh, the last luau last year. It, it I had smoke. one Hawaiian shirt. I have only wore it once, and it will likely stay that way for all eternity until there is another great luau, great smoke. In which case, I will resurrect the Hawaiian shirt from the are, closet. Are you hosting the uh, Year of the Dragon Great Smoke next year as well? Yeah, sure. You are? Okay. Well, I'm curious to see uh, what you pull out for Year of the Dragon. That's that's quite the event. Yeah, that you know, cool. I've, I've been looking. It's, red there's suit? Some scary options. Red there's suit? There's some very scary options. I don't know. Red, don't know. Red, red, red tuxedo with the, with the black trim. Black shirt, red tie. I think that's going to be cool. He needs some gold in there, though. That's a Yeah, very that's that's true. Traditional. As a, as a half-Chinese person, gold and red. Very important. I feel like there has got to be some 
Chinese formal male something that I could find in. You know what you do? Blues. Get a, get a Mandarin coat. Get, get get a Mandarin coat. There you go. That's oh, yeah, thing. there you go. I used to sell suits Those when I was in high school, so I you know yeah. I'm versed on the cuts. <laughs> and if anyone could pull it off, I I, I think Michael Herklotz could probably pull that off. Um, <laughs> dress it up real nice, you know. And, and actually, you know what? To be fair, Mitchell Mitchell has been heavily inspired by the Herklotz style, and uh, has and whipped it out a little bit at the trade show, and uh, it was nice. It was nice. Although I have to say, uh, last year, 2022, Oliver Nouveau from United had on this this three piece like cream suit. And I was like, damn, I think I even said, it. I was like, I don't know. There's only one guy here that might give you a run for your money, and that's Oliver Nouveau. I mean, he was looking good. He can take it. <sighs> it's tight. It's tight. You, you're always the well, but you're always the best, the well, the most well-dressed guy at the show. I mean, you pull it out, you know, but I don't know. He, he it it. I think too. it's great, especially after COVID. It's nice to put on a collared shirt, put on a jacket, polish your shoes. And and polish up, man. I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's good for us to do that. It adds a it adds a level of of formality to our business that once in a while I think we could use. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, anyway, before we get too uh, deep into the conversation, I have to back up a little bit because I almost forgot about two guys. Our friends at twoguyscigars.com. Mike, I know you know about them. Mitchell, you obviously know about them. Um, it's our Cigars of the Evening, brought to you by the number two guyscigars.com. That's right, the number two guyscigars.com. You head over there now, and you can find all the cigars from Ferry Otego, as well as hundreds and hundreds of other cigars and cigar accessories from the cigar industry. An amazing selection, and it's only at the number two guyscigars.com. Head over there now. Um, well, actually, not now, but after the show, but get, get your ass over there. Unless you have two devices, and then go ahead. Yeah, the multitask. Open up a couple tabs. Order your order your Feriotegos now while you watch Michael talk about them on the show. Um, Mike, are you smoking yep, the Suma yes. with us too? I am joining you in a Suma Torpedo. Mm. We're so, all smoking the same. We're going to make this very easy. We're all smoking the new Feriotego Suma Torpedo. Look, we, these just launched. We saw them at the trade show. And then I think, did they ship before or right after? They shipped. They started shipping the week before. Okay, all right. So, but either way, they've been out for about a month now. So, yeah. Um, and this is not a limited run, if I remember correctly. No, sure. right? this, this is a core, core line, four sizes, um, made in Dominican Republic with the Casadas, as all of our, all of our Dominican-made cigars are made with the Casada family. It's a hell of a blend. It's an Ecuador Corojo wrapper, Ecuador Sumatra binder, Nicaragua and Dominican filler, and. Um, it's just, you know, we we worked really hard on this blend. It was part of the blend development from from the very beginning. So this is a couple years in the works, perfecting it and tweaking it and really getting it right. And I think, um, and, and I'm not just saying this because the feedback has been pretty consistent. It is compelling from the first puff. There is flavor that is obvious at the first puff which is compelling enough to invite you to take another puff. I'm not a believer in, in you have to get through the first inch before, you know, you can level some sort of a assessment. I really believe there has to be something meaningfully delicious from the moment you light it up. And I think this one really hits home on that front. 
Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. The first one I smoked, I don't know if it didn't rest long enough. I did smoke it kind of fresh into my house. Um, it felt a little unbalanced or something. Um, but then I smoked it again, uh, and now I'm smoking it now for the third time. And it's much different. I think it's safe to say that first one, I don't know, maybe it was just from travel maybe it was dry maybe it was too wet i don't yeah, know i mean that those cigars went on a long trip if you if you brought them if you brought it home from vegas to massachusetts and they went florida to vegas that's a lot of that's a lot of trauma for that little cigar to deal with oh 100 so percent. i'm glad they're rested and performing better yeah no and i would say once they did they've changed and they are a lot right. better um and i have to say i think so far um the torpedo. I really, you know, I really like this torpedo. I really do. I think that's my favorite so far. Um, it, it's it's a great size too, and it's and it's a vitola that I I generally do like to smoke, but for some reason I don't smoke as many as I'd like to. Um, so finding a great cigar in that size um, is kind of a big deal to me because it it'll help me kind of remember to like I should smoke more of this vitola because I like the way they perform. Um, I like the way they burn. I like the way they smoke. Um, when that torpedo tip comes down to the, I mean, it, as you know, I mean, it, it dramatically can change Vitola from Vitola, the entire smoking experience, as you know, you know, cigars are all blended, so to speak, roughly within different sizes. Uh, I love the way this one performs. Um, and I really like this blend in this size the best so far. Um, now this is the first, the Suma is the first core line Ferri Otego cigar that you have i know that we've seen generoso and elegancia but those have been annual releases and if i remember correctly those will once again come back for 2023 as well and so on in the future absolutely the idea ultimately elegancia and generoso will hopefully be as evergreen as um suma the the real distinction is with suma like Timeless and Metropolitan and most traditional core lines in our industry, these cigars are blended and reblended with each production to make sure that it replicates the very last production. And so that means that it is always consistent every single time you pick up a core blend, assuming everyone's doing their jobs correctly. With Elegancia and Generoso, we do not blend to the last production. With Elegancia and Generoso, we make them from scratch based on the original 2021 style and goal, but without testing it to the production before. And that just allows for this, this sort of um, revisit every year to try. It's almost like going back into the studio and re-recording the same song every time trying to play it the best you can. The tune is the same. That's different than reissuing the album, which is really what we're doing with Core. You're reissuing that album. This, Elegante and Generoso, we go back in the studio and we re-record every single year to try and make it the best. So now, yes, Suma, Core. With Generoso and Elegancia, um, are you also mimicking like say the wine industry in terms of they use vintages and grapes are you using same vintages relative to years with your tobacco leaves or is it totally um arbitrary and you just come in with a feeling and whatever you can pull from you're pulling from 
yeah, we the the vintage for Elegancia and Generoso is relevant only to the date that it was produced. Okay. The the vintages of the individual tobaccos that make up each blend will change every year, like core, because you have to go to the pantry and see yeah. what do you have that is going to be the best expression of that particular experience. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, Mike, when you, I, I wanted to, one of the things I wanted to do, and unfortunately I wasn't able to put it together, but I wanted to do like kind of a, kind of a pairing with this cigar. Uh, we, Mitchell and I have been kind of getting into that lately and doing more and more of that on the show. We just, we just did one with Michael Capolini from Toscano. Um, and we're going to be doing another one soon. And I think I, I had talked to you last year. I wanted to do a wine show. We just haven't really put that together yet. Um, yeah. but when it comes to this cigar, what would be the best pairing with it? Um, arguably whatever's closest, but if you <laughs> have, if you have uh, a little more discretion than time, um, you know, you use the word pairing. Pairing for me is such an important word because it speaks to the action of taking two things that independently are meant to be consumed alone and be perfectly balanced alone. And you take those two things and put them together in a way that makes the combination of the two better than either one by itself. And so I find that to be a difficult thing to achieve with high alcohol spirits because high alcohol spirits, particularly neat, tend to just overpower and dominate any nuance um, or, or uh, delicate note within a cigar. And so high alcohol spirits tend to replace the flavor rather than, rather than pair with the flavor. So I love wine with cigars, no different than wine with food, the lower alcohol is a much more favorable pairing to something as nuanced and subtle as a handmade premium cigar. So I happen to love wine with cigars anyway. With Suma specifically, it's so fudgy and decadent. Mm. Um, the weight is so big, it's almost fatty. And so it kind of plays the role that a steak would play in a pairing. And so I would pair the Suma the way you would pair a great steak in a restaurant. So there's a very high degree of fat in most steaks. Typically, you pair that with an older world wine, something with a bit more, a touch of tannin, a bit more acid, because that counters a bit of the fat. If you notice with Suma, it's it's rather saliva-inducing, Um so that sort of unctuousness of a fatty steak, no different than the unctuousness of this very fudgy, decadent blend, would benefit from something that would help balance that, that fattiness, for lack of a better uh, descriptor. And wine really does that. And you could do that red or white, for that matter. And yeah. I'm doing it with beer for the moment. And then I have a nice uh, Pinot that I'm going to have in a moment. Is that a beer in a wine glass? Wow, look at you. Yeah, well, you know, this isn't meant to be total snobbery. I just didn't really want to bring out two glasses to the office. But I will tell you, the reason you drink wine in, in stemware 
is number one, the the bowl of the glass plays an important role. Anything with aromatics, you want to be able to keep that enveloped in the bowl itself. Right. This happens to be an IPA, so it benefits from this shaped glass. And the second reason you drink wine out of stemware is to um, keep the temperature of the wine the way it was. If you're holding it in your hand, you're warming the wine in the glass. Well, I don't like warm beer any more than I like warm wine. So to me, I think a stem glass for an IPA, why not? Tell me I'm Perfect. wrong. No, no, I'll, I'll never tell you you're wrong. I mean, you know, you you have this way about you. You really, you really know how to sell it. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I've, gone, I've, I've gone with a, uh, a 2020 uh, local BC wine. It's a Merlot. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't really explored too much into the wine, but uh, so far it's pairing really well. It's, it's definitely bringing out a tiny bit more sweetness in the cigar, and it is taming the body of the cigar a bit. Um, and then when you retro it as well, after drinking, retroing the cigar, um, that is where I'm finding a bit of that complexity of like pepper and a little bit of leather and that earthiness coming out paired with the wine. But yeah, there is some nice earthiness in this. And it's funny. You mentioned leather. I definitely get a lot of that leathery, not, not like a, like a, how do you say it? Um, it's it's very leathery, but it's also got like this. It, you know what? It's what I, I I had a conversation with Brooks Whittington from Half Wheel at the trade show, and we talked a lot about flavors and we were talking about reviews. And one of the things we talked a lot about was leather tack, and that's something that he we went we talked about this for like fifteen minutes, and it's something that he really explained to me as you know growing up in the South and being around you know, leathers and saddles and stuff like that. Like he, he really knew that, that aroma and that just that, that taste or whatever. And it was very specific. And while I've never actually, I mean, I think I have, but not enough to really remember. It's kind of what I, th I think, I think that's what that is. It's, it's a leathery taste, but it's, it's a little bit different than what I normally taste. And it's, it's actually, it's quite nice. Uh, it's almost like a, it's like a heavier, but refined leather taste uh, with like a soft, peppery undertone on the finish for me and it's quite enjoyable it, it the thing about this that i really enjoy and i'm about three quarters of an inch in um almost an inch is i like how there's a lot of flavor even right out of the gate but it's very polished and while there's a lot of flavor it doesn't come across as being too much or too heavy or over the top or just too much in your mouth or it's it's too much to enjoy or it's too much to to pull out from it's it's just right you know um there's a lot going on here so it's so critical and it's something that i work on with every blend that i've ever made there i don't want there to ever be too much of anything you know i there are so many cigars that can leave leave someone exhausted whether it's strength, whether it's um, and one overwhelming note, whether it's too drying or astringent, I, I'm just not a believer in too much of anything. I really strive for balance and body. I want a body that's full and rich and mouth filling. 
I want balance of strength, flavor, and aroma. Obviously, good combustion. And then you play with the flavors depending on whether you want something toastier, whether you want something nuttier, whether you want something fuller, you know, darker. And, you know, it's funny. You brought up something there, and it reminded me of, of something I wanted to ask you tonight. Um, you were recently doing an event in Ohio, and you were with our other counterpart, um, Kevin Acuff. And uh, I know that you guys were smoking sumer at an event there. And he had mentioned to me that one of the things you guys talked about was you spent a lot of time on combustion and draw with this cigar. And I, one of the first few times I smoked it, one of the things, because Kevin had said to me, like, hey, what do you think? And I, the first thing out of my mouth was, wow, yeah, the combustion and the burn on this cigar are almost near perfect. Like, not too loose, but, you know, nowhere near tight. Uh, it was just right. It was just right, and it and it performed excellent. And because of that, it also burned nice. It burned evenly. It didn't burn too hot. I will say, it's very very good on that draw and combustion on this cigar. Excellent, I would say it's excellent. The other thing that Kevin and I talked a lot about was the time I spent with each format. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually the only one I had on me that night was a sixty, and uh, I know he's not a huge fan of 60s. I'm not a huge fan of 60s as far as what I go to reach for on a daily basis. But of all of them, the 60 took additional weeks of tweaking to get right. And it was it's it really is a delicious cigar. The thing that you have to remember, or I think the thing that is important to remember, is we talk a lot about the three major components wrapper, binder, filler. But the fourth component is air. And the fatter a cigar is, the more um, instrumental air becomes as a dominating ingredient in the blend besides just wrapper, binder, filler. And so there has to be some level of discretion when you're translating a blend to a 60 to make sure that you take account of the amount of air that is moving into the blend and potentially diluting its intensity and nuance. And so with the 60 especially and with the Torpedo, that took a great deal more work than the 50 that we initially blended it in and then the 46 that it's also offered in. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. We, we, we've talked a little bit about the larger ring gauges, and I would say 60 is definitely part of the larger sanctum. Um, but yeah, we've talked a lot about that and it's funny because I remember, and I was actually a little surprised to see you come out with a 60 because it's, I feel like three or four years ago, the 60 was, I mean, maybe this was just me, but I just, I remember smoking a lot of 60s, like 2019, like right before the pandemic started and then kind of like through it. I just remember 60s being like, there was a lot of them. I was smoking a lot of them. And then all of a sudden, it, they just kind of, for me, it just kind of stopped. And it just kind of I moved on from it. Um, and still seeing a good amount of 60s coming out there. And I don't know. I just, I just, I didn't really see you coming out a with 60, 60. I mean, arguably, 60s are the second to third largest volume Vitola in the industry. Yeah. 650 really is number one. Then you could argue Robusto Churchill six by 60 is number two because they're all pretty close. Yeah. But 
you know, when I started, it's funny, I was just, I have it over on the other side of my room here. Um, but on that trip, I was in a retailer who had this old ring gauge chart like I have that goes from a 26 to a 52. That was, that, that was the popular spectrum of ring gauges when I started. Right. But today, really, if you don't offer a 60 or something close to it, you're, you're leaving out a pretty significant portion of the consumer population who like and favor that north of, let's call it 56, and then up and into even the 70s, which obviously is not my style. Right. But, but 60, you know, it, it took me some time to, to get around to appreciating a 60. And most of my appreciation for a 60 is just seeing how much other people appreciate it. And so it's, it's important that when you translate a blend, if you want to be successful, that you don't only make the formats that are important to you, but then you also make the formats that are important to other folks. Yeah, it's true. You know, you talk to a lot of manufacturers and it, it, it is surprising um, how much of a demand there really is. I mean, especially with 70s. I mean, I know you're not going to probably go 70, but I mean... I hear I, I have these conversations with people like yeah the people are bugging us for 70s all the time and these are companies that historically have never gone that big. And, what was that? Although we actually have in our metropolitan we have a a 65 which we've had since the 90s. Yeah. 65 is uh and even 65 that's an interesting that's an interesting yeah. range. I was I was even going to say I don't see very many 65s. You only yeah, you just see really, 60 to 70. 65 yeah, really that's kind of yeah, it was 60, 70, 80, and you don't see that like, oh, what about 64, 68? Technically, the Andalusian Bull, I think, is a 64 at its at its widest part at the bottom. There you go. But it's tapered, so it's not super common. Yeah, but even that, I mean, I mean, I, I believe if I remember correctly, that's a 64 at its widest part. But yeah, I mean, I I don't I have to off the top of my head, not saying it doesn't exist. I don't know of another 64. Um. Ring gauge I think cigar. it's important to make sure that we are being as inclusive as we can with the sizes we make so that everyone that enjoys handmade premium cigars will find a Ferriotego that they enjoy. Of course. So and, and you... But the other thing to your point, Matt, is you were smoking them a lot, but then you got off of them. Well, that's mm -hmm. also because you started smoking them at the tail end of when everyone came out with a 60. And everyone came out with a 60 because nobody had them before. And the only way to diversify, scale, and grow a business in the mid-2000s was to add formats that you didn't have, which were north of 54. So everyone had to go in that direction to grow their brands. Then new brands were coming out, launching in 60s as a core line. So then what did we see next? Lanceros, but Lanceros have been around longer than 60s. The only reason Lanceros regained popularity is because everybody had 50 to 60 to 70. And so the only way they could then scale and grow and diversify their portfolio was to add in 38s and 42s and 46s. And so you came in as those sizes were being restored to popularity. And now you see those filling humidors around the country and people are launching lines in elegant formats. And what we'll probably see in probably 
2026 is a return of 60 ring gauges and up. Yeah, and it's funny. I've had this conversation. Mitchell, I think you and I have talked about this. I think I've, I've definitely talked about this with Coop on the other show, but um, it's funny. Like, me personally, and I'm sure there's other people, but I go, I go through, like, different phases of things that I smoke, whether it's, like, certain blends. Rappers. Like, certain wrappers. You know, like, there'll be times when all I want is, you know, really mild Connecticut shade, Dominican-made cigars with not a lot of strength to them, and then I need something that's real thick and dense from Nicaragua. Um, same with sizes. I mean, there's I went through a whole Lonsdale phase last year for, like, three months where, like, all I smoked was, like, Lonsdales, some Lanceros. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I went through, like, thin ring gauges for, like, three months last year, uh, like at the end of summer into the fall. I, I spent – most of my career smoking 38 to 46. Yeah. And yeah. I only started smoking fifties regularly because that's the size that I use to blend. Mm-hmm. I le- when I first started learning about blending, the 46 was always the format that was used to blend. At least the factories I worked with, because right. you could blend it down to, you know, a 42 and you could blend it up to, say a 52 or 54 but now that 60s are so important and 38s are really irrelevant using a 50 allows me to go down to 42 46 and up to 60 with a bit more ease now do you find with uh like you mentioned the 50 ring gauge do you find that you have to have a standard length like do you like to go with six inches or more of a boost of five inches or do you find that doesn't tend to affect the experience as much because i know that a lot of your cigars tend to tell a story right there's a beginning a middle and an end so do you like to choose five six or four i blend blend six by 50 in every blend i've made since probably 2014 so for the last 10 years six by 50 Awesome. And in going into Suma, like I know you mentioned this blend has been kind of being worked on since almost the inception of Fairy Tego two, three years now. Um, when you first started blending it, do do you just come in with like, I've got something in mind in terms of a flavor profile? Or do you go, wow, that wrapper really intrigued me. I want to work with that. And you work from there. Or is it a binder or a filler you want to build it around? What What Here's is the like the initial spark? When you're trying to create a product, you say to yourself, I need to bring this experience to market. Then you approach blending very deliberately to achieve that goal. And that's how my early years were, 2011, 2012, 2013, with Prestige, Supreme, uh, Sterling. Those were very specific experience targeted projects that I was creating blends to achieve that goal. But at the same time, um, artistically, it's like keeping a sketchbook. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you get a melody in your head, you're going to write that melody down. If you get lyrics in your head, you're just going to jot those lyrics down. If you have the hook of a story or a headline or something, you're just going to put it in a book. And two pages later, it's a completely different idea. 
but you want to keep that that kind of creative log going and then occasionally you go back to the book and you say you know i want to finish this song like i'm inspired to go finish this song that's really how elegancia generoso summa some of the limited editions that i've done were created because i had the advantage now of a 10-year notebook of just sketches and so this blend was in the works not to become summa but just it was a blend that i played with and tweaked a little and then finally it hit this spot that was so good that it was like let's go finish this song and then yeah. let's go to the studio and let's record it and then now what do we call it and then it, it became summa so it, it it kind of reverse engineers the more you have in your sketchbook now you mentioned kind of blend and then naming what what does summa mean and how how did it come to this name oh great question i was gonna ask that next summa in latin basically means a synthesis or summary of the body of work to date so for me this is meant to really and not meant to it summa is a representation of all of the work i've ever done everything i've learned everything um i've tried it's it's a culmination of now 12 years of blending and trying new things and working for another company and making blends for them now starting my own company and making blends for me this is this is a summary if there was one blend that i could say if you want to understand what ferriotego is smoke this you're going to understand what we do and then if you want to go up smoke elegancy and generoso then you're going to smoke the two trophies within this wheelhouse if you want to um be more accessible then you smoke within the timeless collection and you can smoke a sterling versus a panamericana or prestige versus a supreme and same with metropolitan but if you really want to experience today august 2023 what i don't i've never had a ferriotego what does what is ferriotego you light up a summa and you will understand everything that is important to us. Now, how many people come up to you say, I really love the summa cigar? <laughs> how many people call it summa? Summa, sumo. So I, I don't care what you call it. As long as you have Ferriotego in front of it and it's in your hand, that means that you bought it. Call it whatever you want. I'll be honest. When I, fir when I first saw the, the story come out, um, I saw the name, and the and I don't know why the first thing that stuck in my head was, huh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, Sumacorp. Ah, right. <laughs> the the first thing that popped into my head was that uh, song. I think it's I think it's Childish Gambino. Feels like summer. Yeah. Like See, that's because you're young. Because mine was summer, summer, summertime. But I'm old. So you probably don't even know that song. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Come on. There man. you go. <laughs> I'm 
I had that CD growing up in the 90s. Thought I was cool. I had the <laughs> <laughs> Now you're just showing your age. <laughs> what it is. Oh, man. Well, hey, let's hit our news segment really quickly, and then we'll come right back. Uh, our news is once again brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. Uh, the McAuliffe Black – sorry, where is – there it is. Sorry. I blacked out for a second. Uh, the new McAuliffe Black, rated 91 at SmokeyTobacco.com by Kevin Acuff. Uh, it is a blackout. Check it out now. You can head over to the number 2 cigars.com and you can buy it there. Look at that, two and one. Um, this week, uh, an interesting story you can read about this on SmokeyTobacco.com. Uh, the first Cohiba Lounge in the United States debuts at the Ritz-Carlton Baccarat in Santa Barbara. Um, the Ritz-Carlton Baccarat, Santa Barbara, and Cohiba Handmade Cigars are pleased to announce the debut of the Cohiba Experience at the Baccarat, the first of its kind cigar lounge in the U.S. Following a launch event on August 11th, the Cohiba Cigar Lounge will be open to hotel guests, club members, and the public Wednesday through Sunday from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., overlooking the resort's sprawling grounds and offering breathtaking ocean views the Cohiba experience is outfitted with hand-painted murals, comfortable seating, fire pits, and a walk-in cedar-lined humidor set against the backdrop of the hotel's Spanish mission architecture. An array of masterly crafted cigars from Cohiba and other respected brands come together with curated cocktails and a connoisseur's assortment of fine wine and spirits to create the ultimate coastal cigar experience. Mitchell, did you happen to check the photos on um at uh, of of this lounge. I mean, this is quite the quite the spot. I'm if I'm ever in the area, that's definitely where I'm hanging out. Oh, hold on. Um sorry, you were muted. Say that again? I, see, I'm Oh, see, yeah, it's a weird. I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't know. It's weird. I can hear no, you now. But yes, it it is an epic looking spot. Like I would love to smoke a cigar there like beautiful view the lounge looks really nice the humidor looks great um you know obviously very cohiba branded cohiba name everywhere but you know it's a beautiful hotel to match with a beautiful smoking experience it's right? so, you know how can you go wrong yeah how can you go wrong i mean that's a that's a nice spot but yeah no i mean if yeah. you head over to spokentobacco.com you can see some of these photos i mean they got the fire tables there's like an there's like a balcony kind of looking patio that's yeah. like up above. Um, I think it looks onto their pool. It looks over the yeah, it looks over the pool yeah. and the ocean. And then the ocean. Yep. They got the palm trees. I mean, this is a cozy, cozy spot. I have to just but just looking at the photos. You know, I could sit back, light up an elegancia, and just uh, you know enjoy the evening. And then after that, maybe a a beautiful generoso. Look at you! Look at you staying on point tonight. You know what can I say? So you know what? All I have to say you is, know, Mitchell's re- re- he's showing his. Ty, Ty would be up. Yeah, Ty you would know, be on. I, I know you're excited that Michael's here tonight because you pulled out the outfit. You could you you're on point tonight. I mean you've you've already asked more questions tonight than I think, um, you, you have the last two shows. I mean, I this is I mean, this this is a big moment for you. No, Mike's no, a huge a inspiration plate, for you, right? Huh? Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> and you've got a lot on your plate. I'm trying to, you know, ease a little bit for you too. It's and, all good. It's you know, all good. Michael, this... Michael's an easy guy to talk to. Oh, he is for sure. I mean, he's one of those guys. You know, you just get him going, and he'll he'll keep on going. I mean, maybe not as much as like Steve Saga, but he's uh he's definitely easy to talk to. But yeah, if you want to, a little he... bit nicer than Steve though. Yeah, he doesn't have. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but he's 
He's got more of that personal charm than Steve, you know. He just Steve's great, but Steve's also just he's not shy with, you know, being, you know, a little bit aggressive sometimes. But that's <laughs> that's okay too cuz I I enjoy that. I enjoy those. Uh but if you if you want to read more about this and if you want to see some more photos, head over to smokingtobacco.com today and you can check it out. And that was once again brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars featuring the McAuliffe Black. All right, let's bring Michael back up here. Where is he? There he is. He's got his. I, th- I think I saw him right before the bat break. I think I saw him pour his glass of wine. So he's he's on to round number two. I honestly, I muted myself when you uh, when you unmuted. Um, I think ah. I think when you, when you hit mute, it mutes us both. So when you unmuted, it, I self muted. Ah, interesting. That's strange. Interesting. It usually doesn't do that. I know. It's usually very independent. I don't know. Something weird's mm. going on tonight. Something's in the air. Something's in the air. Very Otago's in the air, baby. Whole studio. It's full of smoke. There it is. Now, um, we've talked a lot about Suma tonight, obviously. I mean that's kind of you know, the showcase here. Let's let's take a let's take a quick peek back into um Timeless and Metropolitan. Obviously legacy brands uh that've been around. Um anything new or anything different with those brands since from the last year or so that you've worked on um as a refresher Not in the last year um except for in the timeless prestige we did launch um the especiales yep so we did launch a six and a quarter by 38 beautiful lancero um historically there had been a lancero in that blend and it was the it was the format it's probably the cigar i smoked the most um and really yeah historically that was always a go-to that and the and the petite coronas in our lines yep um both in the secreto and the panamericana and the number five in um in the prestige uh but when we started ferriotego we thought it was very important to bring all the blends back as quickly as possible and to lead with the historically best-selling sizes yep. to make the conversation easy, to make the transactions easy, and to restore these brands back to humidors. Um, and probably no surprise, uh, a six and a quarter by 38 Lancero is not exactly the league leader of the American market. Um, but it's a blend that I was working on in that size since inception. And so we were finally able to bring that back, um, which you know, we underestimated the enthusiasm for that format. And our first shipment, we were hoping would get us through a month or two months. And then second shipment would come in. And our first shipment went out in four days. So there's a lot more enthusiasm for Lanceros, or maybe more specifically, for Timeless Prestige than, um, than perhaps we gave credit to. So the Timeless Prestige Especiales is in market. And I would really encourage you, if you enjoy Lanceros, to go find that blend. It's 11 bucks, and it is extraordinary. Um, so that is a new offering. Um, and we'll, we'll continue to do some, um, some size expansions over the next year to two years and introduce some new formats in those in those, uh, particularly in the timeless blends for sure. Um, Metropolitan, there's no real change, 
but historically metropolitan is not nor has it ever been a a, a a brand that grows by innovation it's a brand that grows by consistency and you know if you look at the handmade premium cigar market especially in the united states historically brands were what people depended on whether it was booze whether it was tobacco like whatever it was you had your brand and metropolitan was born in 1994 1995 so these are blends that people have depended on for almost 30 years they're they're blends that that grandfathers introduced their or fathers introduced their sons to and now grandfathers have introduced their grandsons to and that's how important metropolitan is to the the consumer population of of cigar enthusiasts so for me you know when you look at the time spent and let's face it not every company dedicates the same amount of time to protecting the old as they do creating the new but the reality is it's the same amount of time and effort if not more to protect and maintain and preserve an experience year after year after year that's not an easy thing to do at all and so for a brand like metropolitan especially that has almost 30 years of loyal um uh fan base then my time is better spent making damn sure that every single production of metropolitan is exactly the same as the last one and when you look at legacy brands and humidors today i think you'd be hard pressed to find a brand and a blend that is more consistent over 30 years than the five blends of Metropolitan. Now, in terms of those two brands, other than you mentioned some maybe some size expansions in the future, but those brands will pretty much remain untouched for the most part? Well, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I don't have a, a crystal ball here. Um, the blends as they exist today will remain unchanged from an experiential standpoint. The sizes that are winning today will remain unchanged, but I mean, no different than looking how brands and the portfolios of brands have evolved should at some point, um, the, the, the 65 ring gauge all of a sudden become obsolete because everyone just stops enjoying them. We won't continue to keep it just just to keep it today the the blend the sizes that we've launched with are all equally successful and in demand um so i don't see a material change to any of metropolitan or timeless at this point the only thing i would see changing would be additions not takeaways well i, I maybe i should have maybe i should have asked it this way but instead of maybe spending more time on continuing to add to those brands i would assume that there's at least for the foreseeable future there's a lot more of a focus on expanding the ferriotego brands um like you know adding more core to ferriotego and you know in addition to the elegancia and the uh generoso which are kind of annual releases you have the suma 
but I, I, I guess what I meant, meant to ask was, you know, is there more of a focus on creating more um, Coraline products under the just the Ferio Tego name alongside Suma versus focusing more time on, you know, obviously expanding on those legacy brands? I think the way you're asking the question, forgive me for saying it this way. No, it's okay. I fucked it up in the beginning. I'll just it, say it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but, but you're, you're, um, we're, we're flipping the why. I mean, if there's one consistent message that we've talked about for years, it is that I, I feel strongly that you bring something to market when there is a clear opening for need. There must be a why as to why you bring something to market. So at this point, Ferriotego needed a core to anchor and help better tell the store the needed a core to better tell the story more thoughtfully. And so now we have Elegancia and Generoso and Suma. Okay. Does Ferio Tego need another core line next year? I don't know the answer to that question. I think that's what we have to learn over time. But I'm not, I can't divorce our business plan from the reality of what the business needs. And we're learning that every single day. And I think it's, it's painfully obvious when you see companies launching new things for the sole purpose of launching new things. And I think that suggests that the old things are done. And I'm not into that. Look, I'm not, I'm a blue chip stock guy. I am not a crypto guy. I don't believe that this thing I bought yesterday has no liquidity tomorrow. I think that is the most ridiculous, crazy. I just can't get my mind around it. I know it's successful. I know people make a ton of money with it. People made a ton of money in crypto. They made a ton of people make a ton of money in the cigar business by just constantly launching new, 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 new. But I fear for Ferriotego that new, 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 new liquidates the equity that we're trying to build in these brands. So I can't possibly forecast what our brands will need. What I can forecast is that I'm going to continue to keep my sketchbook and I'm going to continue to develop cool blends and unique projects. And then when the opportunity strikes, a great example of this, Matt, is last year's Great Smoke when I did a limited edition for uh, Smoke In and Red Meat Lovers Club for uh, the night before the Great Smoke. That's a great example of here's an opportunity to bring something new to market. Let's go to the sketchbook. Which of these songs that I've started writing is the right track for the Red Meat Lovers Club dinner? It's this blend. Then I finished that song and put it in that channel and sold it out. That's the perfect example of being able to answer the why and then executing the plan to go do it. 
And I'll tell you that we are definitely going to continue to do that every year. But I can't necessarily say that we're going to launch a core line um, at the PCA next year. And then we're going to do uh, a limited edition Metropolitan. I just, we have to make sure that, that there is a demand for it and that there is a clear lane to launch the product first. It makes yeah. Sense. Yeah, it makes all sense. I mean, and this, I didn't necessarily mean immediately or like within the next show, but kind of maybe more along the lines of a long-term plan for the Ferio Tego cigar brand in, in itself with well, with the 3 and then adding to that. Ferio Tego in in 5 years will certainly be more than Elegancia, Generoso and four sizes of Suma. Right. 100%. And that work is already being done. The question is when and how and what. Time will tell. You mentioned the trade show a bit. I know, you know, you had a very interesting start to the company where I think like your first year at the trade show, you you didn't even have cigars. You were just a I remember that. Saying hello. <laughs> and uh, of my career. <laughs> yeah. The, the, you probably just got to hang out, smoke all day and say hi to everyone you loved, right? That was a quiet um, trade show, too. We were packed. You remember you were the first we yep. were the first interview the first day, the first minute you walked on the floor, we were right there and I was like, Let's just do this right now. Yep. And then you were like, So what are you doing? I'm like, I have no samples. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing. I don't have a price list. I've got zero. I, I did the only I had old blends from from, you know, twenty nineteen in wrong sizes that I just brought along in case someone wanted to puff on something, but we had nothing, man. It was great. It was so great. You were so excited, so too. And I think what you said to me was you were just like, I'm just here. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't have samples. I don't have price lists. All I have is hugs and stories. And I can tell you my plans. And, and it I was a great like start. Been, it worked out. It has. Been, it has yeah. It's worked been really out. interesting because even the trade shows moving forward, you – you've definitely had a very different format compared to other people too. Like, I feel like a lot of people it's, it's very like, this is just down to business sales, sales, sales. Whereas you've definitely encompassed this more feeling of coming together for the trade shows. And um, like, even this year, I think your goal was to just get Suma into people's hands. Um, I, I heard there was a little bit of a, of a hiccup though we almost didn't see the cigar on the trade show do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened there bro the uh the cigars did not make it um to the holding spot when they were supposed to and we discovered it on friday morning in las vegas which means it was already friday afternoon at the warehouse in florida so then we saturday overnighted product to land in Las Vegas Saturday morning and the one truck that delivered to the hotel Saturday morning did not have our box that was overnighted for Saturday morning delivery and they said it just missed the truck so we'll bring it Monday which was almost over shows over Um, by the grace of God and all miracles and uh, our Davidoff USA team scrambling that package was delivered first thing Sunday morning to the convention center 
And so we had sumas in everyone's hand Sunday, Monday, and half day Tuesday. And it was a huge hit. The feedback, you know, it's it's the scariest moment when you complete the work and and you say, yes, okay, the blend is done. Make it, ship it, we receive it. But no one has tasted it. So there is a warehouse full of Ferriotego Suma. And now is the moment where we have to see if people like the song or not. You know, like imagine the old days, you, you print your first run of CDs or albums, but no one's heard it yet. And the last thing you want is a stack of records that you can't sell. The last thing we want is a stack of cigars that the first four people are like, nah, it's all right. I mean, that is a serious problem. And thank God, the first person I handed one to at the booth lit it up, and it's a critical person, lit it up, took three puffs, and said, it's fucking good. And that was like, the first full breath I had taken in probably four weeks. Was it Aaron until... Loomis? It was not Aaron Loomis. That's a... <laughs> He's critical. <laughs> but Aaron would never say it's really good to my face. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He might. But it was it was met with um, it was it was met with exactly the experience that I had with that blend, and I don't get that a lot. Like sometimes I'll, I'll think a blend is great and people will smoke it and uh, they'll enjoy it, but their experience with it is different than my experience. With Suma, everyone that I've enjoyed this cigar with or I've watched enjoy it through reviews or other things, almost without exception, I can't think of, I really can't think of an exception. Everyone has experienced the blend the same way compelling from the beginning, rich, fudgy, decadent, complex, and and recognizing the story that it tells start to finish. That is very exciting as a as an artist. Yeah, and like you said, it's a, it's a it's a like almost like a sigh of relief, just like whew. all right, the work's done and they like it. Good. Now I can relax. And it doesn't always go that way, man. I mean Oh yeah, for sure. There are a lot of great blends that I thought were great that were flops, really. I mean, they just didn't they just didn't go anywhere. And some I mean, there's lots of other reasons why that could have happened, but that's frustrating when you have such a great blend and it just doesn't hit with people. And that's blend and it's brand and it's marketing and it's packaging and it's sizes and it's pricing and it's all that stuff. But it's the fact that Suma has hit the way it has hit in such a short amount of time is super exciting we were just featured in in maxim today that's right i mean that's not even industry rad that's a mainstream publication that reached out to me earlier in the week just asking for information on it and a couple photos and i was like that's interesting and then boom i mean an unbelievable story in maxim today that's that to me again is just that that reassurance that the work is good and not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone's going to like it. And that's totally fine. If you're a vegetarian, you're not going to like great steak. If you don't 
like alcohol, you're not going to like great wine. If you don't like balance and you don't like elegance in blends, you're definitely not going to like Ferriotego because we don't do the, the monstrous full bombs. Um, and so, of course, it's not going to be for everybody. But the fact that it's being recognized and people are truly loving it, that to me is exciting, not just for the success of Suma, but for how that will amplify Elegancia and Generoso and how it will also reflect down on how great Timeless and Metropolitan are. So it's so interesting. As someone who you've been blending for quite a while, and uh, I I also played music and, and have been in conjunction with writing music, I find it's, uh, I was wondering, do you find like, when writing songs, sometimes you feel like, wow, this is a banger. This is like our greatest song. You record it, you play it live, and like nobody likes it. But as a band, you guys are just like, this is the best song. Like, how does no one love it? And then you write a song that you're just like, oh, God, I hate playing this. I hate listening to it. And you play it, and like everybody loves it. And you're just like, it's usually the song that you write after the hit, after the one that you think is great flops. And yeah. it's your like, F you to the business. I'm going to write the worst song I possibly can. And that's the one everyone's like, it's great. And everyone sings it. Do, do you find that happens with blending or it's a, it's a very, it, it tends to be very different because I, I, I don't know, like maybe with blending, depending on how or who you're with, like, I think maybe sometimes blending can be exposed to a lot more people before it is onto the market. Whereas like you said, sometimes a song, it's your band and a producer and maybe a handful of friends, whereas a blend can be in the hands of, you know, an entire factory with people trying it and uh, smoking alongside friends that you maybe trust in to but give you feedback. Isn't, isn't that the thing? I mean, that's what an artist really doesn't do. Like you, if, if you're really making art, the last thing you want to do, whether it's a song or a painting or whatever, is get 50 opinions because mm-hmm. then you're not, it's not the artist intention. It's, it's, it's not group your thing. You know what I mean? It's um, crowdsourcing, which, yeah. which might work. I guess some brands do that. So that might work in some cases, but the, the more this has become my art, the less, the less I'm open to, um, opinion until it's, until it's done. Like, I really, I just want to kind of like, I just want to go in the studio and do the work, you know, and keep it close and keep it tight and be true to the intention of what I want it to be and not think about being everything to everybody, but just making sure that it's the best it's the best song I can write to date and record it. And when I listen to it, then it's just hold your breath until it lands and hope people appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, in other words, I mean, you, 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 when you're in that process, you know, you don't want that, you don't want that noise. You don't want that distraction. You got something in mind. You got to get in there. You got to make it, fine tune it, get it out. And then I can say what they want. I was doing a blend I think it was in Nicaragua. I was doing it with, with Placencia and I had been tweaking it and tweaking it and they had been making it and we're getting there and we got down to, I think three finals and there were only like 
maybe three of us. I brought a couple guys down with me on this trip to, to work on this. And so we get all done. We blind smoke everything. We write our reviews. We had all of our criteria. And then we basically show our cards and say, okay, let's rank number one, number two, number three. And we line it all up. And mine lost. And everyone else was in violent agreement on which one was supposed to be the winner. And I remember being paralyzed in the moment because I had invited the opinions and I didn't share it. And the last thing you want is to go to a vote and then override the vote. You know, then you feel like your voice isn't heard and your participation doesn't matter. And you're, you know, and so I remember thinking, I don't want to put myself in that position again. I'm happy to have people involved just in the, in the process of making something good, a thought or an, or an idea of how we can tweak it to be something better, but without declaring what the thing might be. Once the thing, once the target is clear, then the, the fine tuning of it, I really, I don't invite opinion, which sounds awful. I mean, I can't believe this is <laughs> going to be like memorialized forever, but, but I really think. Oh, it's your creative process. From an artist, from an artist perspective, um, you learn together, you practice together, you study together, but then when it comes time to go do your thing, you know, there's only one songwriter. There's only one director. And that's it. And you just have to go with what you believe and pray that people appreciate the work as a, as a one-off piece of work and also appreciate that piece of work's place in the um, lexicon of other works that you've done. Yeah, we have Carl here from Mr. J's um, in Rhode Island, and shout out to him and to Mr. J's. That's that's right by my hometown too, and I love I love those guys, man. Paul's yeah. the best too. And, and he said that leads me to Michael's great quote: "Cigars are to tobacco what jazz is to music." Misunderstood. Yeah. Misunderstood by the majority, but when when you appreciate this thing that is so misunderstood by the majority it's it's the thing that it is the thing that brings us together in a way far more intimate than any other shared hobby we might all like sports we'll argue over the team we might all like food we'll argue over the restaurant or the cuisine yeah but if we all like handmade premium cigars we're not going to argue over the brand or the blend we're going to share them and we're going to spend time together sharing the great work of cigar makers, not, not moving into camps and saying, Oh, you're a, you're a Robusto guy. I'm a Lancero guy. Like we, yeah, we can't be friends. Like the opposite occurs in premium cigars when that simple thing is the thing that pulls us together. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. I, you know, and the, is not many and again this is another example of just why there's not many industries lifestyles whatever you want to call it whatever label you want to put on communities 
you know, there's there's a lot of adjectives or nouns I could use um, that you you know about the cigar industry that's that's really different from everyone else. I mean, this industry, this group, community, etc. As I said, um, it's very easy to get people to come together, and it could be over anything really. And it doesn't even have to be about the cigars, but it it always brings people together. And you know, there's not a lot that does that. I mean, sure, the right bar with the right drink with the right people, okay. But Close. you know, again, it doesn't always happen. It does not always happen, but it always happens with our thing. It does. It does. By the way, speaking of friends in the business, shout out to Seven Twenty Four. It's my favorite go-to lighter. Seven Twenty Four. Kirk Kendall. Nice. That's true. I think you've I think you've used that lighter almost on every almost every show you've been on with us. I think he brought that to me when Nat Sherman was closing. He came to see me, um, and it was middle of pandemic. We we're all masked up. He like walked around the store one last time. I'm pretty sure that's when he brought me this lighter. And I remember moving, packing up my office, and making sure that that lighter was there. And it's sits in my office, and it's the one I use still. There's like a dozen things in my office at home that were either from my Davidoff office in the early 2000s or from my Nat Sherman office that moved that I still I still use every day, and that's one of them. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, lighter is important. Well, it is, of course, without the flame, you know. But the other thing, look, the other thing that I think is so important is. If you're going to spend time with something, if you're going to spend time with this thing, I have a hard time spending my time and money with a brand that I don't feel connected to in some way. And whether that's a brand that I'm smoking, a, a wine that I'm drinking, like this this wine, this is made by my buddy Chris um, in Napa Valley. Uh, if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend an hour enjoying a glass of wine and I could run to the store and buy a bottle or I could buy a bottle from him, that connection makes the wine more important to me, you know? And so as silly as it is to use this lighter and I have timeless lighters running around, but like, this is like that daily reminder of Kirk Kendall is a wonderful guy who's working hard just like I am to build his brand and to build his business. And he was thoughtful enough to bring this to me. And so I need to remain thoughtful in what I do every day. You know, like those little reminders I think are so important. So true. And, and you're right. And Kurt is a great guy. I mean, he does, he hustles. The He's the best. You know, one thing I love about Kurt is that I'd be off air to tell you my favorite Kurt Kendall story. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I kind of get that a lot. So <laughs> it's totally appropriate. We just don't have the time for it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, I mean, he he's a great guy. He definitely he definitely does hustle. And you know, seeing him at the trade show, um, you know, trying to grow that brand, you know, and and also for me too, like personally, I mean, he's right here in my backyard. So you know, every anytime I see the seven twenty four name. For me, it's cool because it's like, oh, that's one of my local shops. I know Kurt really well. You know, that's right here in New Hampshire. And it goes back historically. When, 
there's an interesting balance in brand building between um, accessibility and whatever the whatever the opposite of accessibility is. You have this this idea that when things are familiar, it's sometimes difficult to have the same halo of importance as things that feel out of reach um, that you have to kind of aspire to go get. And for me, that's a very delicate balance because I've always been accessible. I like being accessible. I want to feel connected. I want people to hear the story and love our brand and follow along. But at the same time, I think that can also be to our detriment uh, because we're so accessible that we're, we're less aspirational because so many people have heard the story and so many people, you know, I've done events with and, and spent real one-on-one -on -one time with that it doesn't feel so out of reach that makes, maybe makes the brand feel more important or valuable or, you know, it's, it's just one of those, one of those interesting realities with, um, with, with building a brand. But I think Kurt is the same way. And but Kurt and I are both cut from retail. And you know, we like to be with people and we like to say thank you and, and have that one-on-one -on -one personal interaction. It's the thing that made us fall in love with the business first. It wasn't making cigars that we loved first. It was selling cigars and sharing cigars that was our first love that now has evolved into something bigger and greater. I think I think the cigar industry is so unique that way that for me, it's one of the only industries that offers that, right? Like someone can smoke a Ferrotego and one day if you are in the store, you show up and they get to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you, right? We mentioned like the wines and even whiskeys, like the odds of you ever talking to the guy that makes or distills the whiskey you drink or the shoe, the shoe designer of the shoe you make or almost any product ever for you to actually have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with that person is extremely small. Again, unless you're willing to fly to Kentucky to go to their distillery. And even then you might just get a, a person working the floor, not even the master distiller. Whereas this industry offers a consumer an experience like that, that is unlike any other one where you can sit down, it's enjoy true. a product, and then talk to that person who came up with the product and built it from the ground up and get the nitty gritty and what is behind the product. And you feel so much more connected to it. Uh, even after you already loved it so much, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's beyond imaginable. So. I agree as a retailer for 20 years, it's the thing that I loved the most having principals coming in, having cigar makers come in and, and share their stories and allow people to connect in, a much more meaningful, genuine, authentic, tangible way. I think that changes the trajectory of brands and companies. And so for me, that's my approach. And I know it's Kurt's approach. And that just means that we have to travel a lot more and do a lot more of these, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. Sorry. I, um, I got caught up in a, in a message. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everything's good um okay. it's not time it's not time <laughs> <Great>. don't worry <laughs> so we had this 
as everybody knows, and I'll I'll say this here, um, we are Nicole and I. Someone had asked earlier too, so I will address this. Um, as many people know, we are expecting, and we are literally right there at the finish line. We're just kind of waiting for everything to progress, as they say, right? Waiting for it to happen. So as I told the guys before the show, as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, like just a heads up, if I get a message during the show um, that, hey. uh, It's time to go. It's time to go. (laughs) It's time to go. We need to end the show correctly. Is your bag packed? Bags are packed. The car seats are in. Everything's ready to go. Baby's baby's healthy. Just Do you have snack bars for yourself? Oh, Michael. I packed okay. a whole making snack sure. bag. I packed Just a whole sure. snack. Oh no, I know. I packed. I'm proud of it. I packed a whole. I was snack eating bag. ice chips for the. For, <laughs> I was eating ice chips with my wife for the first one. I completely did that one all wrong. I got chocolates. I got popcorn. I got chips. I got. I got everything because I. You know, I thought about it. I go. I could be sitting there with her. I mean, she can't eat. I feel a little bit bad, but hey, I'm gonna be sitting there. Maybe 20-something hours, maybe three. We don't know, but I got to be prepared. So Breath mints and gum. Yeah, that too. That too. Don't forget that. And I got pillows and blankets because I know that I'm going to have to make the most out of a lounge chair or just a chair. So It's going to be great. It, it is. It's going to be great, but it's going to be a journey, uh, and I'm prepared. I've taken all the advice that everyone's given me, and uh, I'm, I'm showing I'll up. I'll tell you what, go. man. Uh, from a future father to a current father people used to say all the time uh, wait till you have a kid you'll never understand love until you have a kid and my like cynical self is like well obviously I mean (laughs) makes complete sense Yeah. but I'll tell you what really blew my mind was the minute my first was born, not only did I understand love and fear in a way that I had never experienced it, but it also made me in that instant understand what my parents felt for me and what their parents felt for them. And that was a mind blow for me. That was equally, if not more emotional than... Um, than just feeling the love for my kid and the love and fear for my wife, but then understanding in that moment how that passes on and how that's consistent. That's To me, I actually said it once, that is the same unique, misunderstood feeling that you get with this. Yeah. So many, many people don't understand it, and you can't understand it unless you love it. But if you are one who loves it, and you share that love with all those people, that's a very, very unique uh, brotherhood. So I'm excited for you, bro. Thank you, thank you. It's, you know, it's, it's a journey. I, you know, I will say, I mean, I, she's not here yet, but the closer and closer you get, the more, the more you kind of start to understand. I don't, and I think everything you said is true, and I, don't, and I think that you don't truly. I don't think it'll truly sink in for me until like I hold her the first time and I'm like, oh shit, this is my kid. Totally. Uh, but the closer and closer you get, your mind, I think, I think it's just human nature. It starts to prepare you like for what's to come, and you slowly start to understand a little bit more, and a little bit more, 
of just kind of everything that's about to come, the meaning behind it, what life will become, um, everything. And, and no one is qualified to have one. Yeah. You, that, you just <laughs> you are qualified the day they arrive, and you do the best you can every day together. It's going to be a journey, and I'm excited to see how it goes. Um, and it's funny because I, one of the things I said too is, it's one of those. I, I feel like ha like having a child is like this unspoken rite of passage with like other adults because like when I was single, it was I was a kid. I met Nicole. I got engaged. Wow, that's exciting. That's cool. We got married. It was like, all right, you're married now. That's pretty cool. You're part of that club. But then when people find out you're having a kid, the attitude towards you changes like that and it's just like oh you're having a kid oh you're... and it's like this 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 un like unsaid connection of like you're really part of the special club now and you're not a kid anymore and um it's fucking cool <laughs> and you're about yeah. to see what that's like and i'm excited to see what it's like after too when i actually have a kid and i you it know is the single <laughs> most awesome in its truest sense of the word, awesome responsibility there is in a person's life for those who have children. Those who don't, well, you know, there's other other things. And I'm not, you know, plenty, plenty of people don't have kids, no problem. But for those who do, it changes every priority in an instant. Forever. Yeah, forever. Until the day you die. Forever. Even when they're adults, they're still going to be yep. your kids. They'll always be with you. Oh, sorry, I needed to take a breath after that. It's been a long day. It's been, and, and and on that note, it's been, it's been a long couple of weeks, a couple of close calls. It's exhausting. Um, but Nicole's doing well right now, I should say. So that could change in an hour. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I'm looking at the time. We are. It, it's amazing how fast these shows go. Um, we have such a great time on these shows. They fly right by. Uh, Mike, first of all, thank you for being here tonight and thanks you for being on the show and talking with us and talking about Ferry Otego. It's been so exciting to, to watch this journey unfold. Um, you know, I remember, like we talked about earlier, I remember the first trade show, you had nothing there, but the booth stories and hugs, and you've come such a long way in those few years and you've come a long way from the stories and the hugs at the booth to everything that we have here now uh, and you're killing it and I just want to say congrats to you on all of your success uh, you make it look easy and I know for a fact it's not um, I, I will say that <laughs> I, I, uh, I know it's not easy um, I've, I've, I've begun to watch how the cookie gets made and I can tell you man I couldn't imagine doing that every day it's a lot of work um, so really congratulations and thank you for being here tonight. I really appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done this dance a long time together since you started. It's been great, um, to also watch your journey. You know, I think part of the fun, uh, is when you, when, when you have a, we're almost like a, uh, a school class. We all kind of started close to the same time in the, in this new chapter, yeah. And so it's been fun to watch the success 
of those who started with me around the same time yeah uh grow and celebrate their journeys as i celebrate mine and so every time we get together whether it's at a trade show or whether it's here it it's kind of one of those stop time moments where it lets you look back and assess how far we've come and it's funny it made me think i i gave a speech at my high school there's a there's a quote hang on i want to find it right now hold on it's gonna take me two seconds there's a quote by this guy keith cunningham and he said progress should be measured not from the point of uh, excuse me progress should be measured from the point of origin not proximity to the destination and that quote has stuck with me from the moment I heard it. Progress should be measured from the point of origin, not proximity to destination. And when we get together, show floor here, it's one of those resets when I think back to the first time we got together and the check in, the checks in that we've had since. And I think we both have a lot to be proud of. So here's to your success and your future. And uh, I appreciate all the support, really. Thank you, Michael. That's very nice of you to say. They really, that's really nice of you to say. And, and you're right. We did kind of start around the same time, and it has been. It's been a, it's been a journey. It's, uh, and it's only been three years, ish, maybe a little more. Um, yeah. About. So, doesn't seem like a lot of time, but when you start to look back and you think about everything that's been done, you're like, shit, that is a long time. Um, it's crazy. It's, it's, it really is. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, you know, loving it every step of the way. It's not always easy and there's not always great days, but, it shouldn't be. but there's, there's bad days too, but you keep on going and you know, you persevere and, and you're here and we just keep growing, keep going up. The that's, stuff that's most meaningful to you is the stuff that you work the hardest for. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I've definitely had a, a lot of those moments where I'd stop and go, shit, I can't believe we did that. That's a big deal. Or, wow, I can't believe we made it. It was easy, everyone hard. would do it, bro. It's true. It's true. It's it, if, if it was easy, everyone would. And, uh, you know, uh, you just stick with it. Don't give up. That's what I always tell people. Just stick with it. You know, you can't, you can't let anything knock you down. Um, but, hey, that's going to be our show for this week. Once again, Michael, thank you for being here. Uh, guys, don't forget to head over to SmokingTobacco.com for more news, reviews, our PCA 2023 coverage. Um, also, our J.C. Newman Vintage Ashtray uh, giveaway winners have been announced. You can find the winners on SmokingTobacco.com. And as always, don't forget to like and subscribe everywhere you can listen to your podcast. We're on all of the podcast platforms as well as YouTube and on social media. We'll see you guys next week with Jose Blanco. And we will... Keep it lit in the meantime. Take care, guys. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.